Congratulations. Well, good morning. Thank you all for being here today. It's an honor to, to fill this pulpit. Um, before we dive in, I just want to say um, it sure is the work of the Holy Spirit that we're talking about ambassadorship today uh, on Mission Sunday. That was not planned, but I think uh, the Lord has a plan for that. Uh, so let's let's jump in and we will read our passage. We are not in Second Chronicles, chapter five, verses 18 through 20. That passage does not exist. Uh, we are in Second Corinthians, chapter five, verses 18 through 20. Uh, we are going to get a running start at the passage and um, start in verse 17. So if you all would stand with me to honor the reading of God's word, if you're able. And we will go ahead and read this passage. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. All scripture verses are taken from the ESV uh, today. So uh, you all can be seated. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we come together and dig into your word, Lord, and explore what you have for us as ambassadors, I pray that your spirit would be active in our hearts. Lord, please uh, illuminate our hearts to the truths of your teaching. Uh, please take me away, Lord, so that only you can be seen. Lord, I pray that um, nothing that is not in your word would be spoken and uh, that the truths of your word would be. Lord, we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. So uh, my brush with ambassadorship happened a few uh, years ago. Uh, this was back when I was in Iowa uh, in residency. The Iowa Board of Medicine um, nominated me and, and one other as young ambassadors to Washington, D.C. And uh, it was quite an honor, um, and I was very excited to go to Washington, D.C. I would be discussing medical-related bills with our uh, state and U.S. representatives and senators. And so we were, we were very excited to go. Before I left, uh, some uh, representatives from the board handed me a stack of folders and said, these are the bills that you are to discuss. They said, focus on the top two folders, these top two bills. These are the ones we really want you to hammer on. If you get done with these, if you have any time left, you can cover bills number three through six. Okay, okay, yeah, I'll look at those on the flight. Great. So on the flight over to Washington, D.C., I start flipping through the bills, and I realize that the ones that I was instructed to really hammer on, I didn't quite see eye to eye with. So here I was being sent as an ambassador for the Board of Medicine to Washington, D.C., and... On one sense, I kind of agreed with the bills as a physician, but politically, otherwise, I did not. So I said, oh boy, what am I going to do? So I just put those bills in my back pocket, and we covered bills three through six for the entire time. I was not much of an ambassador, not the ambassador that they wanted me to be, uh, because our, our estimations of things did not line up uh, correctly. 
Uh, as a side note, on the way back, I lost my driver's license. I got stuck in Chicago. I was running through the entire town looking for a place to stay. I thought I was going to be homeless on the bench of a park. I finally ended up in a hostel on the bad side of town because they didn't require driver's licenses to stay with them. It's a little bit sketchy. Uh, I spent a couple hours there and then rode a, a bus back to Iowa City. So uh, the whole trip from start to finish was not a great example of me being a good ambassador for the Iowa Board of Medicine. They, if they had found out how it had gone, they would not have been very proud of me. Uh, but we are ambassadors for Christ, and today we're going to talk about biblical ambassadorship. Um, we're going to talk about what ambassadorship is, and then we're going to go through three antinomies. An antinomy is, is an apparent contradiction uh, of a concept uh, where both points are valid. So, for instance, you have in Philippians chapter 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So it's work out your salvation, for it is God who works in you. That would be an example of an antinomy. It's an apparent contradiction with both points being very valid. So we're going to go through three of those that would characterize ambassadorship. So what, does, what is biblical ambassadorship? When we look at 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5, and it says that we are ambassadors for Christ, what is it talking about there? The Greek word for ambassador is presbyomen, and uh, it means an elder, venerated statesman. Uh, some of you who, who may know a little bit of Latin or may know some words probably recognize presby in the presbyomen, so uh, Presbyterian, uh, elders. Um, as relates to my field, presbyopia keeps me in business. Uh, this is when people get old and have to wear reading glasses. So presby, just meaning elder, and then presbyomen is an elder venerated statesman. So this is a mature, established statesman who is respected as trustworthy. That is, he is loyal or knowledgeable in the opinion of those that he belongs to. Um, so we are statesmen. Uh, in our new creation status that uh, is spoken of in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, in our new creation status, we are no longer residents of this world, but we are statesmen to it. And that should frame our thinking and frame the way that we live. Uh, so we are mature and knowledgeable in God's sight. We are loyal to things of God, not to the things of the world. And we are to represent him, not represent the world. Um, it's the same uh, sort of person that it speaks of in 1 John chapter 2.13, which is on the screen here. Uh, it says, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. Uh, it's this deep knowledge, this intimate knowledge where we know the Father and he knows us and there's trust and there's loyalty. Uh, now, of course, being this mature elder statesman for Christ, that doesn't mean we can't have fun here on earth, of course. Um, but if you're 12 years old and if you are a believer in Christ, you are an ambassador for him. Uh, that means your thinking is framed by representing Christ. 
by being a statesman to this world for him. If you're 90 years old, if you've been a believer for 70 years, you are a statesman. Well, why is, why is this all important? God in his mercy, we see in these verses that we read, God in his mercy is reconciling the world to himself through us. And in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, if you haven't already turned there in your Bible, it says, working together with him. The chapter starts, working together with him. Um, now, how many of you have been part of a, a group project for school, college, high school, otherwise? There's always that one person that just doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to work, does not pull his weight. Um, and that's a pain in the neck. When I was in college, I wanted to do so well with my grades that anytime there was a group project, if I even sniffed a person that wasn't going to pull their weight, I would just do the entire project, make some notes for the person that I thought was going to be the slacker and have him do the presentation, and that way I made sure I always got the grade. But there's always that one person that doesn't pull their weight, and if God in his mercy privileges us with the blessing of being statesmen for him, we want to make sure that we are pulling our weight. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing that we can do to add to or subtract from the work of Christ, right? He has done it all. He does all the work. Um, but in his mercy and love to us, he allows us to be part of that. It's like uh, whenever we are coming home from a trip and I let Zoe, my, my two-year-old, uh, sit on my lap and drive the last mile home through our, our little subdivision. Uh, she sits on my lap, and usually she's a lot more interested in honking the horn than actually steering. But, uh, but I let her drive us home. Now, I'm probably doing all of the driving, and when we actually do happen to get a straight line on the road, it's probably more luck than skill. But um, but because I love Zoe and because I know she enjoys it, I let her drive us the rest of the way home, uh, really doing all of the work. And that's what this ministry of reconciliation is. God is the one reconciling the world to himself. But in his love for us and in his mercy, he allows us to be ambassadors of him, statesmen for him. So representing him to the world is one of the few things that we can do that actually lasts for eternity. Think about that. There are not many things in this life that last for eternity that we can do. But representing Christ to the world is one of those things. And so let's take this seriously. Let's, let's really dig into this. So the first antinomy of uh, ambassadorship is that ambassadorship is first inward ambassadorship and then outward. Uh, oftentimes when we think of ambassadors for Christ, we think of giving the gospel, presenting, teaching our children about Christ, all these outward things, speaking the gospel uh, to people. And it is that, but it must be first inward ambassadorship. Uh, we place too much emphasis on what an ambassador does and not enough emphasis on who an ambassador is. And that's so vital. We must not pay, place too much emphasis on what an ambassador does, but rather place emphasis on who an ambassador for Christ is. 
Remember our definition of ambassadorship. Presbyomen, mature, inward characteristic. Venerated, inward characteristic. Loyal, inward characteristic. Knowledgeable. Those are all inward traits that as ambassadors of Christ, we must focus on those. And then outward ambassadorship of Christ will follow. Why is this the case? Why is inward ambassadorship first? Uh, Because all of God's power of reconciliation through us is by him. And it is working through us. So if Christ is not working, if the power of the gospel is not working through us, uh, if we are using our own words, if we haven't focused on that inward, we're going to have some problems with outward ambassadorship, which we'll look into here in a second. But first, what is inward ambassadorship? Once again, that almost seems like a, a contradiction of terms. What is inward ambassadorship? Well, we know from verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5 uh, that we are a new creation. Um, All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So we are a new creation. We are also crucified with Christ, as we see from Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is the most important thing, that we are new creatures. The old has passed away. The old has been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. So that's number one characteristic of inward ambassadorship. Number two, abiding in him and him in us. All of us know John chapter 15, verses four through five. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Once again, outward ambassadorship is about bearing fruit, is it not? Uh, We share the gospel. We teach about Jesus. That is bearing fruit. Um, But if we're not abiding in Christ and him in us, we can do nothing. We cannot bear that fruit. Uh, A week or two ago, I was cutting a, a towering mesquite tree. Um, on our little farm, and um, I, in my eagerness, I had planted several peach trees around it because that's where I wanted the peach trees once the big mesquite tree was cut down. And uh, greatly overestimating my skills as a lumberjack, I laid about a, a you know maybe a 15 degree area for this very large uh, three pronged tree to fall. So I I cut the tree down and was not anticipating that one of the prongs, rather than going with the other two trunks, uh, the one trunk just split and fell straight shot onto my little peach tree. It was a very sad moment for me. I almost shed a tear. Um, But it was about 24 hours before that little peach tree showed signs of death. Um, the trunk uh, about two feet off the ground fractured, uh, but it was still hanging on by a few threads. About 24 hours, it was already showing signs of death. How can we, as abiding in Christ, as believers in Christ, he is the vine, we are the branches, how do we expect 
to be close with him, to have his power in us when we don't constantly have him flowing through us. Uh, we, we give ourselves too much credit to be able to snack on God's word once a week or, or just every so often, go our ways to have the world assault us and still be abiding in Christ. We need to constantly feeding, be feeding on his word. Uh, and that leads us to number three. So number one, new creation. Number two, abiding in him. Number three, meditating on his word. That's how we abide in Christ. We take his word with us through the day. Um, Psalm ver- chapter one, verse one through three. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all he does, he prospers. Yields its fruit in its season. So we are constantly doing the work of abiding in Christ and meditating on his word. And this chapter, this passage does not promise that we will immediately be bountiful with much fruit. But it says that we will bear fruit in our season. And so uh, that speaks of inward ambassadorship. We are constantly um, abiding in Christ and staying in his word. And then if we are doing that, the Lord will allow us to bear fruit in our season. Number four, continually removing sin in our lives. Um, This one is vital. And it's something that does not get preached on uh, frequently, except for here in this pulpit at Grace Bible Church. But um, removing sin from our lives, confessing sin in our lives. Do you know that sin in your life, habitual sin in your life, will frame your view of God? I guarantee it. Sin that you allow in your lives will frame your view of God. Uh, For instance... Gossip, 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 gossip. Well, the Lord likes it when we share prayer requests, and that way we can pray for others. Gossipy prayer requests rarely get prayed for. Am I correct? Uh, When we share prayer requests in the form of gossip, we feel that little thing that just feels good inside us. It's the gratification of the flesh. Um, And then all of a sudden we're saying, "Well, well, Christ is pleased when we share prayer requests. It's a good thing. No. It's abhorrent to God. Um, gossiping is, is evil and must be snuffed out in our lives. Uh, complaining. Uh, this subject actually was broached in Sunday school. When we complain a lot, we start hearing theology preached from pulpits that God likes it when we're angry. Bring your anger to God. Yell it out to him. Get into a room and scream at God. It's good. It's what he wants. Really? I think... Job tried a very toned down version of that and um, it didn't go so well for him. Um, so remove that sin from your lives. Confess it. First uh, John 1, 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And then blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Number five, trophies of grace. (coughs) We are all trophies of grace, as it says in Ephesians chapter two. 
so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Remember, this is the passage where uh, it talks about Christ raising us up from the dead and giving us new life in him. Uh, so that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And then verse 10, for we are his workmanship, his handiwork, uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you are a trophy of his grace. It is meant to show the world God's kindness and the riches of his grace. And that should influence the way we live every day. Don't try to hide your trophy of grace, that is, God's redemption, God's reconciliation in your life. Don't hide that trophy under the shroud of busyness or distraction. I look at my own life. Have I become so bored being a trophy of God's immeasurable grace that I, I spend hours on social media or desire to get the perfect body or tackle this hobby of mine, you know, hobby number 289, or a side hustle, or workaholicness. Am I so bored being a trophy of grace that I distract myself and I make myself busy with these other things that will not last? Something we need to all ask ourselves, because we are trophies of God's grace, meant to show the world the riches of His grace and His kindness towards us. So look inward, look inwardly for ambassadorship. Those trials that God has you going through, it's not pointless suffering. It's not just meant to make you long for heaven. It's to show God's grace and his, his uh, power in your life. God may have this season of waiting for you to, to grow his glorious work in your life. Look toward him for that as you become an inward ambassador for him. We look at taking up our cross and we think of that as suffering well for Christ. But what if we looked at taking up our cross as the cross being the symbol of Christianity? And when we take up our, Christ, our cross and follow Christ, that's the standard. We get to be standard bearers and ambassadors of God's grace and his power in our lives. So look at these inward struggles in your life, not as as things to be suffered through, but as ways to become ambassadors for Christ inwardly, to show off God's power and his grace in our lives. When we look at Paul's ministry, we can certainly see this principle of, of his inward ambassadorship leading to his outward ambassadorship. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11, just a few verses back, it says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. So Paul's persuasion of others stems from, therefore, knowing inside the fear of the Lord. If we skip down a few verses, he says, for if we are beside ourselves, that is, if we act like we're out of our minds, literally insane, when was the last time you acted insane for the gospel? For if we act beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Uh, for the love of Christ compels us. So Paul is feeling inside the love of Christ so strongly that it's driving him to act insane for the gospel. 
He feels that love. He knows the love of Christ, which is not marshmallows and fairies. It's the love of Christ that God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their transgressions against them. That love compels Paul to act insane for the sake of the gospel. And then in chapter six, verses four through five, he describes his ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. This is a lot greater than the list of things that I have to minister through. You know, I get a little cranky if I miss lunch or didn't get a good night's sleep last night. But Paul's saying, hey, these are all the things that we have ministered through, that we have been ambassadors through, because in verses 6 through 7, it, he does this by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Not all of those things are internal traits, internal characteristics, but most of them are. And so Paul is able to minister and to be an ambassador through all this suffering because he has the inward characteristics squared away. So that is inward ambassadorship. Now let's talk briefly about outward. I don't think we need to belabor this because most of us know pretty well or have a pretty clear uh, picture in our mind what outward ambassadorship looks like. Uh, what are we ambassadors of? It's the message of reconciliation, right? It says so in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19, which we read. Who are we ambassadors to? Now, this one I do want to make some points on. Uh, who are we ambassadors to? Sometimes I catch myself thinking, man, if I were only Tim Tebow, then I could really do a work for the Lord. If I were Franklin Graham, Man, that guy's got a platform. I need a platform. That's what I need to be an ambassador for Christ. I need a platform. That's not true. We need to be faithful to be ambassadors to the people that God has put in our lives. When we look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 7, this is God's commission of Jeremiah. And it's very simple. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. Well, that's pretty easy. Uh, those who put... Those who God puts in our paths, those are the ones that we're ambassadors to. It's a simple concept, but it's, it's not that easy to actually do this. Uh, and then Ezekiel 2, 3 through 5, once again, uh, God's commissioning of Ezekiel. And he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. So God sending Ezekiel, not to the whole world, but to Israel, who God knows and even tells Ezekiel, these people probably aren't going to listen to you. But that's not Ezekiel's problem. He doesn't need to figure out how to get to the fertile ground. His job is to go to the people that the Lord sends him to. So it may be that the Lord has you to be an ambassador to colleagues at work, to your children, to your family. Um, and he does. He does have that for you. 
Um, now, the Lord also tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, right? Um, and several other instances he tells us to go. But the important thing is that if the Lord opens those doors, we are ambassadors to who he puts in front of us. If the Lord does not open those doors, we are ambassadors to those he puts in front of us. How are we ambassadors? Boldly and in the power of the Spirit. Uh, when are we ambassadors? In season and out of season. Does that leave anything out? I don't think so. Uh, and why? It's because this is God's method of Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is the way that God has chosen uh, for people to be reconciled to himself. Uh, God very easily could reconcile people to himself through dreams and visions exclusively. Um, you know, we know the Holy Spirit is active. Why can't the Holy Spirit just lead people to the Lord? Then I would have to witness at all times and only if necessary use words. Uh, don't believe that for a second. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God has chosen and God has gifted us. Uh, with the privilege of being ambassadors for him. And this is how he has chosen for people to come to him. So let's go on to the next antinomy. Uh, ambassadorship is an office, but it is also an attribute. Uh, so we often talk about the attributes of God, and uh, but we don't often talk about the attributes of the believer. So this is a characteristic of believers that would apply across the board to all believers. So all believers are sons of God, right? Children of God. All believers are heirs uh, with Christ. Um, and the thing about an attribute is you can't, it's either yes or no. You either have it or not, believer or unbeliever. You cannot be more airy or less airy, uh, more sunny or less sunny, uh, you are a son or you are not a son. Uh, and all of us are ambassadors from top to bottom. Uh, if you've been trying to get out of this sermon by saying, well, you know, the context is Paul talking about his ministry. So therefore, I'm not an ambassador. Paul is an ambassador. Uh, that's incorrect. We see in Second Corinthians, chapter three, uh, verse three. Uh, and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. God has written his story in our lives so that the whole world can read it. And then in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So universality of sainthood, right? All believers are saints. Uh, the purpose of a saint was first to serve God in the temple, right? Uh, but then also to represent God to the people. And uh, here in First Peter 2, we see uh, that we are a royal priesthood, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. Um, so from greatest to least, all believers are ambassadors. Now, the comforting thing is, is that if this seems like a monumental task, we have a perfect example uh, in Christ, uh, who, is our, who is the ultimate ambassador of God. Um, 
he left his heavenly abode to come and represent God to us. Um, in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 14, uh, we see that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, and then in John 17, verse 8, uh, For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So Christ is our perfect ambassador. Uh, we can only be ambassadors for Christ because he showed us what being a perfect ambassador is. Uh, and then Christ sends us. Um, as you sent me into the world, this is Christ praying to God the Father, so I have sent them into the world. And then Matthew 28:19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's not some magical incantation. Sometimes we just gloss over that like, oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That means representing the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in the name of. So we are ambassadors for him, each one of us. So not only is being an ambassador for Christ an attribute, but it's also an office. Uh, so offices of Christianity, like being a teacher or a missionary or a pastor, uh, the things that ha being, having an, holding an office include is that we can be a good ambassador, you can be a good teacher, a good preacher, a good missionary, or you can be a bad one. Um, and so it is an attribute where all believers are ambassadors, but it's an office where um, if in our sinful fallen nature we we stay at home and uh, live in our closet, then there's not much ambassadorship happening there. Um, and so I put together uh, four A's to um, to teach on how what what are the characteristics of a good ambassador for Christ. Um, so the first A, I think the most important one is analogy, uh, so being like the one that we represent. That's how I failed in my mission to Washington, D.C., was analogy. I was not much like the people that sent me. Um, but analogy is the most important thing of uh, ambassadorship for Christ. So Christ being the ultimate ambassador of God because he is the express image, it says in uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And we are uh, to become like Christ. Then can we be true ambassadors um, for Christ. And also important is the analogy of the message that we give, uh, which is why doctrine is important. Um, we can't just say things that we like that make us feel good because then we are bad ambassadors. Um, but analogy of the person, analogy of the message. Uh, the second A for being a good attribute is availability. I think second most important. God is seeking ambassadors without agendas. Uh, we see in Jeremiah chapter 1 again with his commissioning, um, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And he said, oh, God, I don't know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. Uh, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth. 
uh, for to whom I send you, you, you shall go and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Um, so you may have what you think is a good reason that you can't be an ambassador for Christ, but it's not a good reason. Um, what's important is that we are available to God when he calls us to uh, the task that he has for us. Um, it's worthwhile to check a 30-second statement about yourself. If you can do your overall about me statement in 30 seconds, I would, I would do it every few weeks and, and just say, if I were to tell someone all about me, especially doing it honestly, that is, what does my day planner say about who I am? How do I spend my time, energy, money, and attention? If you do that, then it, it might be telling. Uh, if we're to be available to God, we cannot be ambassadors for us and for Christ. Um, we cannot desire that we represent ourselves well, and then we'll also represent Christ well. Um, so social media kingdoms, we want people to see how great we are. Uh, when I get out of bed in the morning, I have to uh, make some decisions on what I wear. And, uh, of course, the Lord wants us to wear clothes, but, um, you know, we must go and approach our day with the attitude that I am not representing John Hager. I'm representing Christ. Because when I get caught up representing John Hager, I am not being an ambassador for Christ. I'm not available to the Lord to do his bidding. Uh, lack of boldness. So trying to be an ambassador for ourselves is one way that we fail at availability. Lack of boldness is another thing we see in Ephesians chapter 6, 19 through 20, if you want to go back to that slide. Um, uh, Paul also struggled with this. So he, want, he wanted prayer that words would be given to him as he's opening up his mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which he is an ambassador in chains, that he would declare it boldly as he ought to speak. Uh, other versions, I think, describe this better, where it's really that as he is opening up his mouth, the Lord will give him boldness. So sometimes you have to get that mouth open to speak the Lord's message before God will give you boldness. Uh, that's where faith comes in. Um, don't wait for boldness. Open your mouth to speak the Lord's message and boldness will follow. So analogy, availability, uh, ardency is the third A. Uh, this is a strong enthusiasm or devotion, uh, fervor or passion. Uh, so this comes from focusing on God uh, and his word. Um, we see in Jeremiah that uh, Jeremiah spoke. Uh, he was having a really tough time at this point. And he said, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name. Uh, and there was in his heart a burning fire. He couldn't hold God's word in because he was so passionate about it. And same thing with Paul when he's in prison. He says some people are preaching the gospel for their own glory. He said, but whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Paul is so focused on God's glory and the message that he doesn't care whether he gets credit for it. You know, he's suffering in chains. Other people are using this to glorify themselves. If anyone would have 
have reason to get angry at that for selfish reasons. It would be Paul. But he was so fervent, so ardent about being an ambassador that he wanted all the glory to go to Christ and people to hear the gospel. And then finally, the fourth A is ability um, and purposefully last. Um, ability is important. It's a responsibility. You know, we see uh, many of these verses. You have to be ready to preach in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. That is hard to do. It takes ability. Uh, we see in uh, Hebrews chapter 5, which we won't turn to right now for lack of time, but uh, in Hebrews chapter 5, it says, Some of you should be teachers by now, but you're slow, you're dull of hearing, you're needing to be taught, you're only good for the milk of the word, but the meat of the word comes to those who by experience have exercised in the word. Um, so ability is a responsibility. It's not an excuse to not be an ambassador of Christ. Probably not many of us would feel as able as we feel that Pastor Jim is to represent God and the truths of his word. But that's not an excuse because we're not able. Um, it's a responsibility to study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So analogy, availability, ardency, and ability. So the last antinomy is um, that being an ambassador for Christ is a privilege, but it's also a responsibility. So in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5, uh, the, um, it says that God gives uh, or gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, the word for gave there is dantos, and it literally means gifted, bestowed, or granted. Um, it's the same word used in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, uh, where it says that Christ gave himself for us. Um, so it's, it's a gift. It's a privilege that we would have this ministry of reconciliation. And in Philippians, we see it is a cause for rejoicing. God could have given us many other tasks on this earth. Uh, garner lots of money. Uh, the servant of mine will be the one who makes the most money. Uh, of course, we all know that gathering money in this life is gone like that. Uh, prestige, power, God could have told us all these other things. It would have done us no service because all of those things are gone in the blink of an eye. Um, and in the end, our lives would have no value, no meaning. But the Lord's gifted us with this ministry of reconciliation. It's out of his love and mercy for us that our lives can have eternal impact and value. A single brick in the Lord's kingdom is infinitely more valuable than a castle in the world's kingdom. And so be an ambassador for him. Lay that brick of God's kingdom. It's more valuable than anything else we can be doing. But it's also a responsibility. Uh, so in the next verse in 2 Corinthians 5:19, um, where it says, that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Um, so that word entrusting is a different word, uh, theomen, uh, which is um, entrusting, assigning, appointing with expectation. 
Um, so some versions use gave or give for both words, but they're different. One is a gift. The other one is an entrusting or an appointing. It's a responsibility. Um, it's the same um, responsibility that I believe Paul is thinking of in Romans chapter 1 when he says, I am a debtor to both the Greeks and the barbarians. Uh, why is Paul a debtor to those people? It's because Paul realizes the gravity and the importance of the gospel. Uh, think about if someone gave you $5 and told you to cure world hunger and poverty. You'd probably just kind of chuckle and go find a, a homeless person and give them $5. Now all of a sudden, Apple Incorporated sells their $1 trillion company and says, here's a trillion dollars, go solve world hunger and world poverty. Now you are a debtor to the world because you have the power, you have the ability to solve problems and you're probably not just going to divide a trillion by the world's population and give everyone a little bit of money. You're going to form committees. You're going to get strategy. You are indebted to communities in Latin America and Africa and Asia. You're indebted to those communities because you have the power to cure world hunger and poverty and the means to do it. And so you are a debtor to them. The gospel is the same way. If we were given a gift that would, you know, kind of make happy people happy for a couple years and whatever, that's not a big responsibility. Uh, but we are given the ministry of reconciliation. We are given the ministry that gives people eternal life, uh, reconciliation with God, peace with God. That is a huge responsibility. Uh, much bigger than a trillion dollars. So Paul realized uh, that he has a trillion dollar gospel. What is the value of your gospel? Do you have a five dollar gospel or do you have a trillion dollar gospel? Um, if you have a five dollar gospel, then you may go a year without sharing it. You may go two years without sharing it. If you realize that you have a trillion or really invaluable uh, gospel, uh, you're going to feel that responsibility and we're going to all uh, share that with a lot more uh, enthusiasm. So in closing, maybe we all look at ourselves and we say, man, maybe I'm not quite the ambassador that I feel like Christ wants me to be. Uh, maybe that's because we need to focus more on inward ambassadorship. Do you know the fear of the Lord? Does the love of Christ compel you? Uh, maybe you think ambassadorship is only for the spiritually elite. It's not. It's, it's for all of us. Maybe some of the four A's are missing. Um, analogy, availability, ardency, or ability. Uh, maybe we're focused on representing us, and we're more interested in John Hager representing John Hager than representing Christ. Um, maybe you see it only as a responsibility and get bogged down with it, or maybe you only see it as a privilege and uh, don't feel that responsibility. So my encouragement to you is to thank and praise God, first of all, worship the Lord, that you are called as an ambassador. It truly is a remarkable honor. Ask God to show us how to represent him better 
uh, how to be more like him, how to be more available. Uh, Pray that you will see people and that you will have a heart for those that God wants you to represent him to. Pray as Paul did for boldness and for opportunities. I promise you, if you pray for opportunities to represent Christ, he will give them to you. And then purpose to take a step in faith. Open your mouth so that the Lord will give you boldness in speaking. So let's bow our head and close our eyes. Maybe that you are here today and uh, you are not a new creation. It may be that all of this doesn't make sense to you. Uh, You've never been reconciled to God. Um, My encouragement is start with that. Be reconciled to God. Uh, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that he would be made the righteousness or that we would be made the righteousness of God in him. The steps to that, realizing that we are a sinner, confessing that sin before the Lord, um, knowing that we need a savior and trusting Christ as the only savior for our sins. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, your word. Lord, I pray that we would all be ambassadors for you this week. Lord, help these words weigh heavily on our hearts Uh, Help us um, explore your word for uh, ways to be better ambassadors. Um, Help us uh, revel and joy and glory in the fact that we are ambassadors. And um, pray that you would help us uh, as we go this week. Help us become more like you in every way. Pray all these things in your precious name. Amen.